and welcome to the Practices Made Perfect podcast, your go-to source for all the latest innovations in marketing, technology, team, culture, and more, geared specifically to independent practice owners and brought to you by DVM Elite, the industry leaders with game-changing strategies and life-changing connections for private practice owners. Today's episode is a discussion with Dr. Michael Warren on the science of deep versus shallow work. Dr. Warren will share how he fell into this trap and the dramatic steps he had to take to get back into the deep work that really makes a difference in your practice. Hey, everyone. Then was just joining uh, the webinar. So yeah, welcome. Get settled in. Uh, I'm just setting things up and then we're going to rock and roll. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> we're going to roll. We're going to do this. All right. Okay, good to see you, Amy, Carolina, Kathy, great, and Cheryl, hey guys, and Julian, Sharon, uh, Valerie, excellent, all right. <laughs> so let us rock and roll, uh, and if you're listening uh, in the driving the car, uh, etc., then yeah, this is going to be uh, uh, a very powerful one and, and something that's going to refocus your attention uh, and your work methods uh, really to make you your your better self uh, until you forget. And, and our goal uh, every once in a while is to do these sessions. Uh, sometimes they're strategic and sometimes they're tactical. And this is more strategic. This is almost more of a higher level, meta level uh, type session versus a nuts and bolts, you know, practicality. But it's one of the ones that will stick with you, I think, forever. And I know this has uh, really changed the way that I've been um, thinking uh, recently. So just briefly, for those that are uh, on the line, good to see you. And let's rock and roll. So firstly, I'd love you to type in the word, uh, the letter V for victory. And what is something that's going well in your world? I'd love to, to read it. You can just put it in the chat section. And if you're driving or listening, and then just think to yourself, what's been a victory for you over the past couple of days? You know, it's so important to celebrate the, the victories along with all the challenges. So let's do this real quick. Uh, I'll share it out. Um, I'll share it out. Also, our DVM Elite, our Practice Elite members, uh, please go ahead and share that as well from our team members, account managers, et cetera. I'd love to hear what's going well in your world uh, currently. So yeah, over to you. What, what's going well in your world? V for victory, what you got? Amy, Aimdog, loved seeing our black belts this week converted uh, pods to Zoom, which has been fantastic, fantastic. Great, awesome, Amy. What else, what you got? V for victory. Valerie, we are up 29% this month. Fantastic, good for you. And you know, it doesn't take uh, very many uh, double digit uh, months like that to really be able to drive the growth uh, of the practice. What else? V for victory, uh, what you got? V for victory, what you got? Uh, okay, cool. And as those are coming in, you know, I love sharing those. It gets us in that positive mindset. <clears throat> you know, for me, I'll be quite frank. Uh, oh, Leslie says, we have taken our, P our um, membership plans to a new level of 28%. Awesome. Awesome, Leslie. Way to go. Uh, and, you know, I would say victory on my side is one of the privileges uh, that I have is doing these sessions because this forces me to stay on my mission of continual learning, uh, not just like CE continual learning, but I mean like real deep subject matter. Nothing that we talk about is medically related, right? These are all the top thinkers in the world on how we can restructure our, our business, our organization, ourselves to be optimal. Uh, and that, and that, uh, that continual learning has been, you know, I, I think a, a, one of the re real key, uh, you know, differences, you know, for, for me and my life and sort of my 
you know, professional trajectory. Like for example, uh, just the other day I um, had dinner with, um, or I, I had lunch, you know, through friends of friends with someone who's in the venture capital world and was talking to him uh, and his friend about the venture capital world, world and was able to completely, you know, jam with them uh, on that side. Uh, and then I met somebody who's in the, uh, you know, the trading world, the investment world. And uh, I was asking him questions and he was kind of, you know, a little bit egotistically <laughs> uh, telling me all the, the wonderful things that he knows. But then through asking questions, he suddenly turned on me and started <laughs> pegging me for information. Here's this guy who ran this big trading desk. And it was just from learning and reading, you know, what we're doing together. And finally, you know, I met this fellow um, who is a, um, you know, a top um, international lawyer and he's about to leave that to do his own sort of personal productivity aspect and we talked over a number of days together and <laughs> uh, and i was just sharing him with things that we talk about and he said you know towards uh, a few days in he said uh, said you know rarely do i meet somebody who's able to i learn from on this subject matter and so it's been really great to meet you and i said same here you know i really enjoyed our conversations and so there's these three totally different worlds right there's like this venture capital world and there's this investing world that there's this personal productivity world uh, but these are the worlds that we study right you know this is the the quest of uh, enabling you to be a, a, a master of a business, business mastery that you can share with your children, your family members. You can be dropped out of an airplane. You can be in an apocalypse uh, and you'll be able to use these tools. Um, yeah. To, to help yourself and your community. And I just love that. So um, yeah, let's carry on in our mission uh, and let's learn how to do some deep work together. So here we go. So why is this so, oops, sorry. Why is this so important? So firstly, what is deep work? Um, and this is based on a book uh, by Cal. I'll show that in a second. But the deep work hypothesis is the following. The deep work is the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at exactly the same time it is becoming increasingly valuable in our economy. So it's becoming as rare as it is valuable. And as a consequence, the few who cultivate this skill uh, and then uh, make it the core of their working life will thrive. And those that don't and pursue shallow work are going to be um, kind of left, left out, at least compared to those that are doing it. And this is a really fascinating point. And I think this is so true. Uh, and it's become more and more true every day that, I, that I'm alive, basically. That number one, there will be, in the knowledge economy, three types of people will have a particular advantage. Those who can work with intelligent machines, uh, as I said to our black belts uh, the other day, we are being hit by literally everything that I'm doing is interacting with AI. We're talking about building AI processes. We're using AI in our own business. Um, and there's some third aspect of AI, AI all in one day uh, around AI. The second uh, group of people that are really going to benefit are owners of capital or people with access to it. So basically being able to deploy capital, we talked about this previously, it's fascinating, it's coming up again in this context, are gonna be uh, at a particular advantage. And finally, it's superstars in a particular field of work. Uh, and this is really the subject matter that we're gonna be talking about uh, in this section. So how can you understand A, what deep work is and B, position you and yourself to be able to do this deep work and this will elevate you from the average to the superstar. And again, I've been applying this over the last a number of days, and I'm just like in this total different level of, of enjoyment uh, and productivity uh, that I haven't been in for a long time. So I, I really valued uh, this. 
So yeah, deep work uh, focuses on the third type and you need to be able to quickly master hard things and produce at an elite level in terms of quality and speed. Cool. So uh, why you? Well, basically, you know, <laughs> you need to be able to get out of this uh, shallow work environment, you know, just another episode uh, and into this deep level. Uh, otherwise, you know, all the effort that you're doing uh, isn't really going to produce uh, as much at the end of the day. Uh, and uh, why now? So by thinking through and, and at least preserving some of your time to go deep, you're going to be able to like slice through your reality, your circumstance, and your thought process, uh, almost like a samurai or like a, you know, like a ninja, you're going to have this clarity of mind uh, that nobody else or, or nobody else in your proximity has because nobody else is thinking this way. And, and finally, um, why now? We're at a big accelerating point of change. Uh, and this is just going faster and faster and faster. And we take AI. I mean, I'm shocked by the level that AI uh, is uh, producing right now. And I share examples of it and people are stunned. <laughs> uh, and this is like getting faster and faster, you know, in the, in, the, uh, in the economy, you know, seeing how this whole crypto aspect is becoming um, adopted into the mainstream uh, at such an accelerating rate. I mean, it, it really is something. Um, inflation. <laughs> is going at an accelerating rate. You know, the, the, the two marks are 5.4%. The other one is 8.4%. Some say it's upwards of 15% in the real economy. So, you know, we saw this coming, uh, unfortunately, and now we're actually living it. So things are accelerating, uh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> and so what is deep work exactly? You know, how can we really uh, wrap our head around uh, what it is? So it's di distraction-free concentration. It stretches your cognitive capabilities to their limits. So, so I would say this is like heavy lifting work. It's not easy, uh, but because of that, you need your focus. Uh, it creates new value. So we're talking about creating uh, new things. It improves your skill. Uh, and what you create during this work is very difficult to replicate. In other words, you know, this is, this is creation. Uh, at its at raw point. And I'll be challenging you because uh, there's going to be, a, again, this will be a, more strategic intellectual theoretical aspect, but I also want to bring this right down to you and your practice to understand what is your deep work. And if you compare that to what is shallow work, uh, shallow work is pretty um, obvious, but it's non-cognitively demanding. It's checking your email. It's logistical style tasks. So it's like paying bills like this guy here. It's uh, often performed while distracted. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're in line, you're checking your phone, you're seeing if you have a new message. Uh, and these are the efforts that tend to not create much new value in the world and are easy to replicate. So the big question uh, I have to you, and uh, if you're on the line, I'd love you to answer. If you're driving or listening, I'd love you to really just think this through. How much time do you spend in shallow work versus deep work? Uh, just type in your thoughts. Uh, again, if you're on the line, uh, if you're driving, uh, I'd love you to think, think it through uh, and just kind of come up with an answer. So, so what are your thoughts? For those on the line, how much time do you think you're in shallow work? You can put like a S and a percentage and deep and a percentage. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I love to get a sense as to where, where you're at. Where are you at? <laughs> oh, 60, 40. That's pretty good. Yeah, Mora, 70, 70, 30 in shallow. Uh, so in, in, uh, in deep. Yeah. So that's good, Mora. And I think you've been moving more towards that, which is great. You can't, you can't write a good book when you're in shallow thinking. Uh, that's for sure. Valerie is 80% always multitasking. I bet you it's probably more, Valerie, if you're always multitasking. Cheryl says 75% shallow, uh, 
Deep 25%, Kelly 80, 20. Yep. Yep. That makes perfect sense. Uh, and I would say that I've really, I've really vacillated, you know, I would say at times, uh, so Kathy's saying, I think 70, 30 uh, or 60, 40 would be more appropriate. I'm very impressed if these are the real numbers, right? If you're spending 40% of your working time uh, or even 25% doing real deep work, I, I would be very impressed by that, quite honestly, if that is the case. I have a suspicion it's not, uh, but if it were, I, I would be very impressed. And I would say, you know, there are times even recently where if I just look at my day, uh, in fact, it would probably be 90% plus uh, of shallow work. Um, and basically, you know, the, the, the question is how much time are you just basically shuffling things around, sh you know, shifting messages from here to there, answering inquiries, you know, doing these uh, kind of task driven activities that's worthless, you know, that needs to be done, but that is worthless compared to that deep work. Cheryl says, I think it varies a lot from day to day. Yeah. And that's going to be part of what we're going to be talking about now. Yep. Super. All right. Let's jump in here. So the five principles of deep work, uh, and this is a book by uh, Cal Newport. Great book, yeah, great concept. So number one is the shallowness devil is after you. So this is like a three-headed monster. You know, one of the heads is uh, social media. Uh, the second um, head is this principle of least resistance. And so what is the principle of least resistance? So in a business setting without clear feedback, uh, basically we will tend towards behaviors that are easiest in the moment. So. This is why when you start work, you will check your email because it's easy, right? You know, the, the emails are up there. Uh, you just get to open them and respond. You get a little dopamine hit. Uh, these, are the easy, these are the easy tasks. Uh, and it's very important that we don't get stuck uh, doing them. Uh, the other aspect is busyness as a proxy for productivity. So the same thing in the, in the, both of these in the absence of clear indicators of what it means to be productive and valuable, uh, folks will turn to being busy rather than being productive. And this actually goes back to the industrial revolution where people were in factories and if their hands were moving, they were being productive. That's not the case anymore. In fact, I can almost guarantee you if you just sit and think for 15 minutes, you're gonna be a lot more productive than having your hands moving across the keyboards or checking your phone. So these three sort of devil heads <laughs> of shallowness are after you and they're, they're hunting you. Uh, and they're at every single turn. Uh, so we have to be really uh, focused on it. Number two, and I think this is a really fascinating point, uh, and this has probably changed a personal um, habit of mine, uh, not habit, but personal day to day, is to become comfortable with boredom. So we're in a society where when we have a moment, right? We want to check the news, we want to check the phone, you know, um, even if it's innocent, and we aren't checking our, our, our email, we're effectively connecting to something. And the concept from Cal is that it is in this boredom, that this great thinking, this deep thinking occurs, and he's 100% correct, you know, in my most bored moments, I have created my biggest outcomes, because I was so bored, I was dreaming of a better way of doing it. Uh, and I think that's important. So, uh, think, dream, and especially breathe into those moments of boredom. When you're sitting in the in the grocery store line, checking your phone to get the news is not saving time. That's distracting you from some deep thinking that you could be doing uh, while you're uh, in the grocery store. And it also reminds me of a book a while back that we did. I can't remember the name of it. That talked about the kind of mindfulness of executives. And uh, a very interesting little trick was that if you just rub your fingers together 
it sort of brings your attention uh, to this physical sensation in a way it kind of calms you down and focuses your mind. And I've always remembered that we probably read it like seven years ago together. Uh, and I'll, I'll catch myself, you know, or purposely be doing that. So the combination of that and breathing, I found over the past week, I am, I purposefully sit in the boredom of a moment rather than running away from it to uh, try to get it on board by doing something. I think it's a subtle point, but very interesting. It says, have to be comfortable with being alone with yourself and your thoughts. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, yeah, bingo. So good, uh, good, uh, yeah, good note, Ed. All right, so that's step number two. Step number three is that we must create a deep work routine. And I'll kind of, I'll kind of share um, what this is and how this works. So I would say uh, that for you, and you know, your estimates are higher than I would have suspected, but that you need to do a minimum of four hours of dedicated time each and every week uh, in deep work. Now, you're in a difficult position, right? Especially as a practice owner, uh, if uh, you're on the line as a practice owner, uh, a manager as well, but the owner, you know, you're responsible not only for running the business, but for making all the pizzas. You know, it's like if you're a pizzeria, uh, you don't you not only have to run the restaurant, but you're the one in the back making all the pizzas. So it's very difficult. And I would say that if you truly did even just four hours to, in one block of deep work per week, you would be each and every week really driving yourself ahead. And I'll, I'll bet, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, I'll bet that if you really look at your schedule, that there is not a time that you don't sit down for four hours in one block in one week every week, and you're not checking email, you're not checking your phone, you are thinking through a problem, or applying some sort of a solution that you know you need to do into your practice. Um, so uh, Valerie says, I found out about DVM Lead when I was recuperating from surgery. Yes, I remember that. I was uh, totally bored, but I was able to find you online. I remember that. And yeah, yeah, you're totally incapacitated, uh, because your surgery. And so you're exactly right. And so, you know, DVM Elite uh, and Practice Elite, you know, we're kind of um, playing with the name here, has all these playbooks. But the reality is that that is a big chunk of the deep thinking. But then there's deep thinking on the actual application within the practice. And so even our team is able to help massage and drive you into that application of it. But you, there's still this, you know, last 20% that needs to be done. That's deep thinking work because there's going to be barriers and pitfalls and that's what this four hours uh, is really designed to be able to do. Uh, and a great you know, story that Cal shares is of Carl Jung, of course, you know, the fa famous um, psychologist and the philosopher, you know, uh, quite interesting. And so he would uh, oscillate between almost two different, you know, it's called a bimodal, um, being bimodal, basically, you know, two different modes. So one would be a socialite, you know, in Zurich, you know, he's a professor, he's a intellectual uh, he'd be meeting with people giving lectures you know really sought after uh, and then the other one would be basically living like a hermit living like a monk and he'd go to a cabin you know far away and that's where he'd do his deep thinking and his writing and, and his books and so you can do one of two things either either you're fully in the world for those days and then one day a week or one day every other week you take a full day and you go into deep work or, or uh, you set four hours aside each week and you go into deep work, but it has to be scheduled on your calendar. It has to be fulfilled. And they had this on my calendar, but it's been creeping into just, I'm tired. I do responsive work. 
not the deep thinking work, which is actually so much more pleasurable uh, and important. Ed says, it's hard to do in the practice. Sometimes we have to change the scenario location so as not to be distracted. You're 100%, Ed, you can't do it in the practice. You shouldn't be in the practice doing deep work, just straight up. <laughs> uh, you should not be in the practice doing deep work. It's not gonna happen. So cool, uh, next up. Uh, next is to focus on the wildly important. You know, I think this concept is from a, a book I read by the book club uh, called uh, 4DX. Uh, and the, the key here, and this has been super helpful for me, is that after, you know, really going through this work and, you know, kind of refining it and thinking it through, what I have now done is I've split out my to-do lists. Uh, and one list I keep is a deep work list. And in fact, these are things that would be on my to-do list and they sort of stay there and hang around for a while. So now rather than look at them every day, I'm not going to get them done unless I have a deep work capacity, uh, uh, capability. So I, I take that to do and I put it on my deep work list. And so this is a deep work list. If it can be growing, that's fine. And then I have my pre-blocked deep work time. And so when I get into my four hour deep work time, everything's off, put a little nice, you know, relaxing music on, get to relax, kind of breathe. Okay, what is it? And I go to my deep work list and I can prioritize and I'm only going to work on one thing, basically, for that two to four, you know, four hour period. Maybe I'll do two things max. And there we go. It's already done. I don't have to think about what, you know, what I'm going to do. To, you know, that's deep work. Boom, it's there. And I know as I put things in my deep work, I can kind of sigh relief because I will get to those going through it. And if I don't get to it, fine, I'm doing deep work on other things. So uh, this has been a super powerful uh, method for you. And I think it'll be freeing for you and on our uh, practice elite team as well, right? If you have these projects that you're doing that requires deep work, put them on your deep work list. And instead of being pinged all the time with messages, you block out that time each and every week and you go into deep work mode. And I guarantee you, you're gonna move the needle in a way that you just can't uh, be in a human router, you know, just uh, uh, pinging everything back and forth, which is what I was doing before as well. Uh, yeah, then you get to prioritize uh, that list. And yeah, and if you do this, you're now thinking and acting like a genius, 100%. And, you know, finally, you know, what I would say is that I view my role to a huge extent uh, to be doing a good portion of your deep work. So, again, it's very difficult in, in your practice to do the deep work. My role uh, that I view is to do 80% of that uh, heavy lifting uh, for you. And then it still will take 10% that the uh, account management team can help to kind of push you to implement but then you need to be doing that last 10% of deep work to actually land the plane and implement it uh, into your practice. And I think this is where this deep work happens. And I'll tell you, our black belts uh, and the best uh, folks that are in the elite, uh, not the best, but the ones that are really moving and grooving are the ones that are able to implement this. And it doesn't implement in a busy, chaotic day. It's being implemented within this deep work environment. Cool. So my, my quick question over to you is just kind of V for value, just over to you. You know, we spent about 20 minutes together. Uh, so V for value, again, if you're on the line, I'd love you to just type in V for value. What's been most valuable for you so, so far? Like, kind of like what's a big idea, concept that uh, has resonated that you want to keep with you? You know, let's just gel it together. If you're driving and listening to this, you know, what, what's, what's one of the kind of the key things um, that has uh, come forward for you. What, what do you think? What's been most valuable for you so far? Very quickly, I'll read them out. We'll congeal them together. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk about how to apply them uh, in the practice. V for value. I, I'd love to hear what's been most valuable for you uh, so far. 
and I'll, and I'll try to give you some deep time uh, uh, at the end of the session. V for value, what you got? Ed, I need to spend more time in deep work. That was my takeaway, right? That was my 100% takeaway. I, I was sold on the thesis of deep work. I knew I wasn't doing deep work. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, and Chrissy says, cultivate boredom, 100%. Uh, I, I, I love being in that space of thoughtfulness. But because of a phone, and I've stayed away from using a phone in that capacity for a long time, but you just get sucked into it. Uh, and so I found that I, I was using it as a distraction rather than as a boredom killer, rather than sitting in that boredom more. Uh, and yeah, Morris says, must do the deep work when you set yourself apart. It can't happen when you are stuck in the business. Impossible. You're 100% correct. Kathy says, I need dedicated time for deep work. And I have probably spent far less time in deep work than I initially thought. I think so. Uh, that's my bet. Valerie says, I definitely need to set aside four hours per week for deep work. Leslie says, this session has reinforced my commitment to setting those precious hours to exponentially improve my ROI for every aspect of my life. Yes, 100%. And Cheryl says, you need to, be, to not be disturbed. Therefore, I have time away from the clinic to do deep work. And you know what? If you're committed to this and if you're a team member, you, know, you have to sell this to the practice owner and make sure that you honor it, you know, um, both ethically and to your commitment. But I think you need to be at home to do this, quite honestly. Well, if your home is a quiet place, but you need to be in some sort of other space. You could be in Starbucks. Um, uh, and for sure, I've done a lot of deep work, uh, basically in a Starbucks type environment. Uh, yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's a great, great place. So here's my other question question over to you uh, and it's a candid question what types of like I, can I ask you I'd like to ask you something for you to, to type it in because I think this will be a little bit of inspiration uh, for everybody uh, on the line and, and listening uh, in the future is uh, just as an example what would be three examples uh, of your deep work like what is on can you just put the top three things that are on your deep work list right now just just take a moment uh, pull out a piece of paper or uh, type it right in the box. Then you can uh, write on the piece of paper. What are, what are the three things that are on your deep work list? And same with the practice elite members that are on the line, the account managers. I love to, I really love to hear what your top three things uh, that are on your deep work list. Just uh, itemize them one, two, three. Uh, and uh, please uh, let me know uh, what the top three things are uh, on your deep work list. What are they? It's challenging right now now we're going from the intellectual into the practical <laughs> this, is, this is too deep that's uh, too bit too deep man uh getting into this so what are the three things for you uh that would be that are on your deep work list three things so Number one, working out how to navigate moving from curbside um, to in-clinic medicine. Yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls on that that need to be reworked. And it's not going to happen in business. Uh, Chris says, doing webinars, comprehensive visibility strategy, uh, and team development. Yeah, and really thinking through those elements. Uh, Ed, writing a book. Cool. Um, you know, Ed, uh, let's connect you to Mora. Yeah, because uh, she has just done this uh, in the process of writing a book. And so I think that would be uh, a super connection for you. So we'll make sure that we do that. Uh, Ed, Ed Tamora, uh, self-examination and diving into being more efficient uh, in workflow. Mm, interesting. Uh, Leslie says book reading, book club leading, tracking metrics and potentially uh, efficiency, investing, very passionate about this. Well, that's great, um, uh, Leslie. And 
I have something to share about that in a moment. And then uh, CE, great. Valerie says, budgeting, planning future goals, and reading the books you're recommending. Yep, 100%. And don't forget about audiobooks. I, I listen to all my books through my, uh, I read all my books through my years now. I find it so much faster. Uh, Maura says, uh, book, culture check-in, job description for all departments. Great. Uh, Julie says, uh, social media play, playbooks, um, uh, member reports, and creative outreach. Yeah, probably number three is the deepest work uh, in all of that, 100%. Kelly says, I'm managing the goals for my business, uh, reading and planning. Okay, interesting. Cheryl says, um, number two is better, more effective team meetings, 100%. Uh, number three is planning for next year. Fantastic, yep. Uh, Caroline says, analyze the data from my members. Great. Uh, member annual reports and strategic planning for myself, 100%. You know, for example, um, uh, you know, just to be, uh, just to be frank, uh, one of the deep work items is as we have, ex, you know, explored going into optometry, uh, you know, really trying to think through what is that model in optometry, you know, going to look like and how do we, how do we bring our lessons from the veteran world uh, into the optometry world and also into the dentistry world and vice versa. And it took, it took being a bit of a monk, you know, to go, go through that, but the outcome was so amazing I'll just share it with you because it's so it's so kind of special uh, in a way I think is that uh, you know optometrists uh, and dentists hate insurance and it's very interesting on the veterinary side because it's all kind of pro insurance but we know at a certain point insurance becomes the monopoly right and then it then it backfires but so everyone hates insurance and I realized that uh, every optometrist would love to be a cash paying practice versus having to get their money from um, their livelihood from insurance. And on the veterinary side, I mean, what type of business are we? Are we? We, are vet, we are cash paying and we always have been. So we know uh, how to run a cash paying business uh, better than, and medicine better than anybody else on this planet, right? I mean, we know that. And so I, I really believe that we are gonna be able to take these lessons on how you run a cash paying medical practice into these insurance laden world uh, where, they, where this has been forgotten over time and really be able to kind of just, you know, disrupt that process. And in so doing, learn from them these principles that are going to be fed back on the veterinary side, like what we've learned from the dentists. So that, that entire a realization and, um, and, and working through what that is, that is a friggin' deep, deep activity. And it requires at least a four hour chunk of sitting there in boredom, daydreaming, you know, hitting your head with a pen uh, to come up with those uh, types of concepts and work through the details that otherwise would just be uh, dismissed. So, um, so it's awesome. Okay, fantastic. So just to summarize, shallowness is your default. If you don't watch yourself, you will be in shallow work. In fact, you were in shallow work before you got on, got on this call. <laughs> uh, and you're going to be on shallow work after this call if you're not mindful about this. Uh, be, be bored more. Uh, so get used to being bored. Create a routine of scheduled time for deep work. So this needs to be scheduled. So part of the action right now is to go to your calendar uh, and schedule. You know, I, I have minimal expectations, like demands on you. Um, <laughs> minimal demands. And the minimum demand, because I know that you're extremely busy in running the businesses, is to put a four-hour block in. So it's a half day. And there's a very important component because this is the difference between, between uh, there's a, a very famous essay written about, about 12, 13 years ago now. And it's the difference between a maker's schedule 
and a manager's schedule. So a manager's schedule has eight hours and it's got um, it's got appointments you know through the day uh, and everything's penciled in and it's from one appointment to the other and then checking email and communicating with you. It's basically communicating, right? That's the manager's schedule. The problem is that if you're a maker, like a creative, basically, if you're doing deep work, you don't have to be a creator all the time, but if you're trying to do deep work, just think of writing something. And for those, for Mora, that's been um, you know pursuing or writing a book, which is so fa fabulous, if you sit down and uh, you know, let's just say you're writing on a piece of paper, you get everything organized, you get your favorite pen or pencil and you sit down, you get your coffee and you kind of position it and you're thinking, okay, you know, where was I? Uh, where was I on what I was thinking about? And you know, what's the, what's the story? I mean, it takes you about 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get into that mode. And then you have that three hour, you know, uh, flow where you're able to do it. Now, what happens if you spend your 30, 35, 40 minutes getting into that state, you know, remembering what you're, you're doing. And you think, oh, you know, my manager scheduled an appointment for me at the top of the hour. And then you have to break that. And you go to this appointment, then you come back and take you 35 minutes, 40 minutes to get all set up again. And so there is a very big difference between a maker schedule and a manager schedule. And so if we just take that same analogy, there's basically a manager schedule, which is when you, you have your operational hat on, you're running it, and then you have your deep work schedule, and these two are not compatible. So you have to completely isolate your deep work in four-hour blocks so that you can really dig in and do that deep work. Uh, so Ed has a great question here, and he says, would you say that planning and preparation time uh, is deep work? 100%, 100%. So if you just think about it, if you just think about it, you could just just sit back in your chair right now, kind of just look up and breathe in and be like, you know, where do I want to take this thing? You're like, like really, like where do I want to take it? And, and what, what's it going to take to get there? That is deep, 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 deep work, 100%. So you're, 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 it's a good question and you're exactly right that that, because you can't do that being interrupted every five minutes because then you just become doing the tasks. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, just going on the summary, uh, work on the wildly important one thing until finished. So the concept is what's your big domino uh, that you're going to be able to go after. And this is why I find that that keeping the deep work list of the things that are deep, you know, coming up and then being able to move that and prioritize, you know, so, so I got my four hour block. I sit down, I see, okay, six things on my deep list. I don't start at the top. I look and I prioritize, okay, this is the number one domino for me right now. If I bang that out, like, you know, I'm good. Like I've, I've changed the world today. So Mara says, the one thing is such a great roadmap for the four time uh, blocking. Absolutely. And the, the, the key question, if you haven't read the book, the one thing, it's one that I've, re I've read it at least two or three times. And the, the key, the whole book is this question. And it's a very valuable read is, what is the one thing that uh, basically if completed or if done, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Again, what is the one thing that if it was completed or done, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? I mean, it's a beautiful question uh, because if you really think about it and you know, what's the one domino that if you could just topple that, everything else becomes easier and kind of like kinetically uh, carries on after it. So a fabulous question and something that you should be doing it. And finally, you know, the big takeaway, big summary is just knuckle down and make this sucker happen. You know, if you walk away from this, uh, put this in your schedule and then think on this more elevated uh, level, uh, this is 35 minutes of some of the, the, the best, you know, investment uh, possible. So I think that's uh, it's excellent. <clears throat> and we'll just, just kind of get into a, a, um, a quick, 
closing thought session because I'd like to pull a few folks off you and just uh, talk it over. But I share this with the black belts and it's something you know very important um, you know, for you to be thinking about, especially as a practice owner. Uh, is that if you are, you know, starting to think about, okay, maybe transitioning at some point, you know, the practice, there's a psychological burden of like, what's next? Because if you do sell your practice, and you don't have a very clear plan of what's next, uh, it's a very easy to fall into a, um, a very heavy depression. I've seen it many times. And so the key is to make sure that you continue to be connected, you continue to be social, and you can continue to do the things that you love, quite honestly, and work is a big part of that. Uh, and so those that are able to go through, of course, the elite community and then uh, work through the transitions elite, because that's kind of like this whole life cycle of what we're doing together, uh, then are able to be part of this group called the elite mentor uh, uh, and investor uh, circle. And so what that is, is that um, basically you've proven this whole life cycle from start to finish uh, as a practice owner. And so you're able to be a mentor to others and actually get paid, compensated, you know, from practice elite for whatever is the passion point that you have. So then we can we can dedicate, you know, people towards you to say, hey, you know, you got to meet with Mara or Leslie uh, to be able to talk through this particular thing that I know that they're passionate about. And you'll, you'll have great value and impact for them and get compensated for it. But then the other thing is that you have some you have capital uh, from the sale of your practice. So the question is what you do with it, like Leslie, who's now really thinking through investment just another skill to learn and a very exciting one for you to be able to learn in fact and so we'll be able to network together discuss here are, are examples of good investments not good investments opportunities that are coming up around and just share the good the bad and the ugly basically uh, and then continue to be part of the book club join the summits and, and it's just going to be your next phase of learning and all of this is just a vehicle to learn uh, and challenge yourself so um i think that's great it's like your next phase so with that i'd love to just pull off a, a, a few folks uh, off of mute and uh, yeah, let, let, I'd just love to hear your, yeah, just love to hear your thoughts. And uh, Leslie, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, hey, what's up, Leslie? Uh, yeah, just what, what, what are you thinking? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm thinking that this is just, uh, this conversation is absolutely important, particularly at these times when we're all overextended. Hmm. And um, some of us have been also very overextended in our yeah. personal life. Yeah. Yet, I was saying to my love last night, I said, you're not going to believe this, but my 50s have been the best time of my life. Yeah. And I just feel so much more passionate about everything. I feel I don't feel, feel as overwhelmed mm -hmm. as I used to because I have such good people in place mm -hmm. that together as a team, we are making things happen. Mm. Um, and my teams, I have my team at work and I have my team outside of the workplace, but I mm -hmm. will tell you that, um, I'm also very aware of those angels that have come into my life over my existence. And honestly, every night before I go to bed, I just have to have my words of gratitude and I'll go over the whole day and just be grateful for the things that have occurred. But you're right, when we are at our most bored, that's when things come to shine. It invades me in my sleep. Like I will fall asleep, I'll have a good chunk of sleep, and then I wake up and my mind starts going like crazy. Yes. Yes. And then I have to say, okay, it's time to call it quits. So I'll start, I'll start concentrating on my breathing right. and there's something that I always chant. May I find uh, strength, strength, 
beauty and peace. Mm. And I just keep repeating that. And right away, I go back to sleep. So it's, it's a process. I do feel that as we transition, it's extremely important that we remain relevant and that we continue to challenge our mind to the max. And I've always, you know, I've always relied on financial advisors to manage my money just because I thought I didn't have the time to do it properly. But then I just started doing the research and um, wow. Yeah, it's like learning a new language. It takes a while to understand exactly how the companies work. But as I've learned along the way, the more you keep doing it, the more you understand. So yeah, it's a great ride. It's a great ride. Uh, What's that phrase again? I, I really like that. May I experience? May I find beauty? Sorry, may I find strength? beauty and peace this day it's supposed to end off with this day but i just keep chanting that to myself and it makes such a big difference you know um uh, one of the deep work uh, i'm doing um you know thinking through a um, kind of a, a problem you know that this other entrepreneur has a, a business a problem venture that, that he's building and uh, he was just saying that He's really been doing over these past few weeks these kind of affirmations, which is, um, yeah, af- affirmations. Uh, and, and he said he can just feel how it's re- rewiring his brain. And these affirmation type concept has found its way, especially into the um, kind of entrepreneur world in the beginning stages of folks that are very materially driven, you know, like I am a millionaire or something, you know, materialistic. And, uh, and I was saying to, to him that that, ju- that has never been an appeal for me and it's certainly not an appeal now. So I was, I was saying to him, you know, again, transparently, like, it's a great question because I'd have to figure out what, what would my aspiration um, or a- aspiration be to then have the affirmation that would be driving it. And he shared that it's not even necessarily an aspiration, but to your point, it's an affirmation of, of joy, you know, um, and of gratitude of saying, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky, you know, to be here and be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, kind of, uh, may I be jo- joyful and lighthearted, you know, and, and it's just re- rewiring your brain to focus on those aspects. And I think it's totally brilliant. So I, I'm inspired by your phrase. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pick up and make your phrase a habit, Leslie. <laughs> so we'll be chanting it together. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, for sharing. Um, and uh, oops, sorry, I put my video. Off. Um, I'll just put you back on mute or if you could just mute yourself, that'd be awesome, Leslie. And uh, over to you, Maury. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts as you've you've been taking this deeper, deeper dive uh, into deep work mode. So yeah, over you, over to you if you're there, Maura. Um, well, I mean, for me, without a doubt, it has been a journey. Um, and I read the one thing, oh, I don't know, um, five, six years ago and I read it. I actually start every year. It's the first book I read because Mm. I think that we need to be reminded constantly, um, uh, that, um, busyness is our enemy. Um, whether, um, you know, even when we're out there like 
producing, you know, and we're just going for it. Um, like Diana, I mean, I know she just, she just hired a, another um, a associate, but I mean, she yeah. is, that's all she's doing all day, every day. And um, so learning how to get out of that busyness. And for me, I realized that um, for me to go forward and to um, help more people on a bigger platform, um, yep. I was going to have to take a step back and really look at what was the very most important to me and start it with, with, with the team here. But, um, but without a doubt, we can get so caught up in what we have to do that we don't do what we really should be doing yeah. is probably the best way that I can put that. And so, you know, encouraging people to, you know, four hours. So, I mean, because you probably have some people on this, this call that are like four hours, where the heck am I going to pull that out? Right. Um, but start with, start with an hour a week, start, you know, block yourself out and, you know, go grab a coffee or just, you know, go sit on a park bench or, or just, um, just be still. And, um, uh, and coming from a person who is constantly, my brain is on fire 24 seven. Um, and I'm constantly doing something. And if I'm not doing something, I don't feel like I'm productive. I understand right. that for some people that is a really, really hard concept. So start in small chunks um, and you know, it's that, it, it's that one, per, it's that 1% thing, start in a small chunk, do that for yourself. Let's say you can't even do it once a week, do it once a month and just take that time to empty your brain and, and let some of those, um, some of those ideas kind of flow through to you. Um, and then, and then work your way up to, you know, an hour every two weeks and then an hour once a week, that, that would be my that would be my encouragement to, to those of you out there that are like, I am so busy. Where am I supposed to carve out more time? Start there and, and then work forward. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I even think about this with our team. And, and I think as a coach, you know, as a leader, you have to almost give permission to your team to be able to do this. For example, on our team, would we as a team feel comfortable or guilty if we took as a team, a half day or a full day where we said, you know, we're laying down our, our, our arms of communication for this day and we're gonna, all gonna do deep work, uh, a deep work day. And I think for your team as well, you know, just giving them this permission to be able to do this deep work. And you remember the 20% the, the time activity that Google did where people could work on whatever they wanted to work on for 20% of their time. And that in a way was their deep work slash play work around creativity. And that was kind of a brilliant, uh, a brilliant move. So, yep, awesome, cool, cool, Maura. Th th thanks so much for sharing. And Keith, Keith Purcell, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts uh, on, uh, yeah, just kind of today's sessions and, and what do you, what are you thinking? Hey, Keith, if you can pull yourself off mute, that'd be awesome. Uh, oh, you just tried <laughs> couldn't handle the pressure. Oh no, no, you're still here, Keith. Awesome, cool. You know you're there. Okay, you just went on my screen. Hey, Keith, how you doing? Very good. How have you been? All right, doing awesome, doing awesome. So yeah, yeah. Just what, what are your thoughts? What are your closing thoughts for, from today's session? Well, I, I guess I have to agree a great deal with Maura. Um, first of all, just uh, the, the very idea of scheduling some some thought time, some time to make some plans um, is, um, I guess, in our businesses, almost seems counterintuitive because yeah. uh, you know we're here to generate and uh, 
that thought time doesn't tend to generate a great deal. Um, right. Or at least that's the thought uh, initially. And uh, so it does take a, you know, a change of the paradigm that we, uh, I think, have has probably been, or at least for me, is, was kind of inbred into my, into my sure. you know, DNA itself. So that's, I, that's always the challenge. And it's a constant um, uh, upstream swim to uh, avoid that. Um, I like the comment about, you know, starting instead of trying to carve out four hours, maybe just try to carve out yeah. one hour at a time to kind of get into that routine. So I think that's very positive in that, in that regard. And, it, and it's not going to happen um, magically just by wishing that it would happen. It, you got to right. do it. And, yeah, and you know, maybe what you do um, when you're in producer mode is, you know, you take uh, one or two days a week over lunch and you block out another hour. So you have a two hour lunch period, basically. But this isn't your normal two hours where you kind of fool around and eat or, you know, catch up on other things. This is your this is your deep work time. Um, and then you're able to drive it and still combine it with eating or something like that. Yeah. No, it's. um, Yeah, it, it's great. Cool. Thanks so much, Keith. And uh, over to you, over to you. Um, over to you, Keith Webb. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know that you're a, a deep thinker on these types of subjects. So yeah, Keith uh, Webb, if you're there, I'd love to hear what you're, what you're thinking. Let's pull yourself off mute if you're able to. <laughs> As Keith's doing, uh, we'll do two more. Uh, I'd love to hear Kelly Harper. Hey, Kelly, what's up? If you just pull yourself off mute, I'd love to hear your closing thoughts. Oh, so um, I think this whole concept is is um, it, it's it's very it's very thought provoking, um, and I feel for me uh, like Mara and Keith, um, this is going to be a struggle. Um, yeah. I I feel in in many ways I feel quite um, frustrated because every week I feel like I spend most of my time in the shallow work. And I'm frustrated because I want to be doing deep work. And I have a list of things that I feel I need to be working on for my practice that, that I feel are really important things. And I just never get to them, never get to them. And um, in more recent months, the struggle has become even greater um, because I have been onboarding a new associate, which has been um, to Leslie's comments, it's been a blessing. There have been many good things that are happening in my practice, especially um, in the last year, uh, just growth and, and um, mm. good things coming financially. But of course, there is a, 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 you know, there's a double edge to that sword. Yeah. And so for me, as a single practice owner, I am struggling to be able to manage the growth of my practice and the oversight of my just you know my my business as a whole and and I feel it through the frustration of my staff and um they're such a great team like Leslie said I have a fantastic team that's in place and um I feel like we're unified and moving in the same direction but I don't feel like I get to lead them I, I for the last few months I feel more often than not, because I'm not getting to do deep work and I'm spending my time just doing busy work and chasing busy work, I, I, I've, I've kind of come to this thought that I, I'm no longer at times running my business. My business is running me. Yeah. And to get to a point where I can step aside and actually take that 
to like even an hour. I, I, I want it. Um, I'm just not sure how to fit that in. I know what to do. I, I know I need to just block off the time. But then, of course, I have to leave the practice. I would actually literally leave, have to leave the practice and I can absolutely turn off the phone. Um, I just, I, I need to do it. And then I need to actually, I think, lay the, the, the expectation, my staff, I need to manage their expectation to say, in order for me to lead you more effectively, I need to leave this yeah. place and I need you to leave me alone because I cannot lead without the vision and I can't take the time to have the vision if I cannot step away, I am being buried. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and Leslie and, and more, I, I unmuted you guys um, or asked you to unmute. Yeah, just what, what are your thoughts for Kelly? Because this is a pretty heartfelt, I think, reality. Kelly, I, you know, your candor is just oozing through these yeah. wave cycles, unbelievable. but. I have been there too, and you're absolutely right. Part of us always gets a little bit self-conscious about the transparency piece, but I have been known to tell my staff, I am not here, and they know that that means I'm not to be disturbed. And I have also had those sticky conversations with them about, I cannot, um, give back to you in the way I need to unless I have this precious time to do it and you cannot do it at work you absolutely cannot so um, you're you are ready on your way to getting there you have figured it out and once you start doing it like Maura she's absolutely right we do need to start in baby steps I was speaking from a person who's already been doing it but it took time to get to that point um, baby steps. Keith said the same thing. You will be there. So um, just take courage and do what you need to do. Yes. And I would encourage you in the same way. Um, everything um, Leslie said, uh, probably the biggest thing that, um, that you're going to fight is you're going to feel guilty um, yeah. at first. And, and you have to, you have to get over that piece of it. Um, I spend, um, I went from exactly where you are feeling like I was kind of trapped, um, and, um, not all that long ago, right, Michael. And, um, <laughs> um you know, and, and, and now I'm at a point where, you know, I'm spending 25 hours a week, um, on, things that aren't necessarily practice related, um, you know, and I mean, obviously, um, you know, writing this book has been, a, it's a huge endeavor, but it's a, it's a passion. It's something I just feel I need to do, but I was 100% where you were and the guilt even now will still niggle <laughs> at me and, and bite me on the behind. Um, so, you know, accept that, you are feeling guilty. And then, and then like Leslie said, you just have to be like, I'm going to, you know, I will be away, you know, I will be, I will be back at two o'clock. Um, and then we will be ready to roll and, and then take that time and do what you need to do to just unplug from family and from work and, and from all of it. And you'll find it, you'll find that it will get more um, where you're not feeling guilty and you'll find that 
um, all of the things that will make you productive. It will make you more productive and, and a better mentor um, and a better boss if you're taking just a little bit of time for yourself. So I really encourage you start in baby steps and just push through that guilt. Will do. Thank you so much. That's great advice. And, and, you know, I was just speaking with one of the, our elite members and um, same thing has a young family, um, you know, really great practice and the guilt of being involved in it and being the backstop all the time that was going to fulfill the problem ultimately and sort of realizing that, and it was like a her Herculean effort and under deep down under it, the it's almost like a masochistic thing that the Herculean effort was in itself the end. Um, and it felt good to do that, you know, if you, you kind of dig down deep. But the realization is at that point that this individual, this elite member wasn't learning anything. They were just in maintenance mode. To your point, Kelly, that, you know, the practice, the business is running you. And once that happens, we got it all ass backwards, really. You know, if we're not learning and progressing ourselves within this business the business is using you and abusing you and, and that that happens and i've been there too in a different way and i think one way to alleviate the guilt is to realize that the deep work is in fact the most valuable work that you can be doing and once you do it a few times and see the outcomes from it you'll start to dance around like a little like a little fool because you realize, oh my gosh, I'm finally doing the, the, the gift that I was here to do. I'm finally able to do these things I never thought I'd be able to do. And so your, your, your number one thing on your deep work list is to do some deep work to determine how you can do, how you can radically restructure your life and your practice to enable yourself to do deep work. <laughs> I know it's kind of circular, but I think it's actually true. I think, I think that's uh, absolutely true. Does that make sense or any other thoughts, Kelly? And that was <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my one thing. Like <laughs> one thing. It's my exactly. one thing. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's a great example. If Kelly is able to figure out how to do deep work on a regular basis, everything else will be easier and or unnecessary. You're 100% Kelly. <laughs> right, Kelly? <laughs> Got it. That's my takeaway from this meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Thank uh, you. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, Mara and Leslie, for jumping in. So awesome, guys. Well, um, oh, yeah. You know what? I'd love to, I'd love to uh, pull Amy off. Uh, let me make sure, see if Amy's still here. Hey, Amy, are you here? Where are you? Maybe she uh, had to go to her next session. Wait one sec. I just want to pull it because Amy, oh, yeah. You know, you're here. Hey. Hey, Amy, uh, how are you doing uh, as a coach and leader and uh, yeah, someone who really is able to unblock folks? Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? What have you seen with our elite members, practice owners, and how would you recommend to kind of get over this or, or what to do next for these for folks? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just just hats off to both Leslie and Mara. I think they, they hit it. They nailed it. Um, I think that this session was a really great reminder that time is the coin of life and we only get so much time on it, right? And so we really want to spend our moments on things that matter most. And so um, if we don't block off our calendars first, uh, someone else will come and do it on our behalf. And so I think for everyone, including myself, we need to continue running to our calendars to preserve the time 
to make sure that we're starting with the rocks, the, the meaningful things that matter first, and then let all the sand and the water and everything else pour in between. So uh, I loved it so much. I think that this is a great reminder, especially as we head into the holiday season, uh, for people to stop and pause and uh, remember that they're worth it. Their time is worth it and that they need to just put the air mask on themselves first and then put it on everybody else. Yeah. Yep, cool. Well said. So go to your calendar now, Kelly, and um, tell everyone to buzz off <laughs> and, <laughs> and put, put, in, put in your block, put in your two hour block and just, just run it. What's gonna happen? You're gonna miss several appointments um, each week for the next four weeks as you determine how you restructure your life to do deeper work. So be it, you know, that, 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 that's the, that's the worst case scenario. That's it. That's the worst, that, that's it. That's the worst case scenario. So, um, cool guys, this was a real session. And again, we oscillate and I love that. It's not just tactical things. You know, what do you do next? This is like a big picture thing. And I, I can guarantee you, we're going to talk about this in the two or three year time and say, do you remember this? Um, do you, how far have you gone off track? And then we'll kind of call each other out on it and we'll get back on track. So awesome, guys. Thanks so much for the session and looking forward to, yeah, looking forward to, get to get, getting together in person and our next one along the way. So cool. We're all in it together. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Ciao. Good luck. <laughs> Bye now. Uh, and any closing thoughts that you have, just, yeah, uh, Kelly says, thanks, everyone. Yeah, just just type in, type in the box. I'll read them out really quickly uh, and then we'll uh, we'll be able to go. And thanks so much, Amy, for jumping on. Leslie says, I thank you. Fantastic session. Yeah. Thanks so much, Leslie. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, when you get to that next space, Leslie, and there's no rush for it uh, to really help to uh, cultivate the uh, investor side of it. Cause the investing is a, is a, yeah, it's a really interesting and wonderful uh, pursuit. Uh, it takes time though. Uh, Valerie says, great session. Awesome. Kathy says, uh, thank you. Awesome. Kathy. Yeah. Thanks so much guys. Okay. See you. <laughs> okay. Ciao. Bye. Want to keep the conversation going? Great. You can reach out to us directly or hit us up through our website at dvmelite.com. There's no need to go it alone. Our experts are here to help you implement the strategies and tactics mentioned in this podcast. Let's work together to make your dream practice a reality. Mm -hmm.